Welcome to Liberty Monks Podcast. James Mundy here with Mike Mundy. How are you doing today, brother Mike? I'm never better, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. Uh, are, you, are you guys brothers? We are. We are. We are. Um, Dr. Shiva, I'd love to. I'd love to give some of our listeners and audience some of your background, if that's all right. Sure. Um, Dr. Shiva Ayadre is the inventor of email. He has a U.S. government patent on that, and he's the inventor of polymath. He holds four degrees from MIT, and he's a world-renowned system scientist. Dr. Shiva is a Fulbright Scholar, Lemelson, MIT Awards finalist, first outstanding scientist and technologist of Indian origin recipient, Westinghouse Science Talent Honors recipient, and was nominated for the U.S. National Medal of Technology and Innovation. And this is just scratching the surface of what the good doctor has accomplished up to this point and only a glimpse into his professional life. Dr. Shiva, warm welcome to Liberty Monks. Yeah, great to be here. How are you guys doing? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Awesome. Um, so so someone smarter than me, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, hold Mike is somebody a lot smarter than you. Okay. <laughs> um, well, doctor, um, I would love to dig into some of the things that you see going on in the world today and what efforts you and your network are taking to make a difference. And I've had the, um, the experience of being on some of your meetings recently. Uh, Crystal, um, who we know works very closely with you, encouraged me to come on some of those. And I learned a great deal and uh, really fascinating, eye-opening stuff. And I, I think especially for people that are looking for answers to what's going on right now. But one of the things that we wanted to bring up initially with you is just we've got such a split right now in so many different areas. Uh, and in one of those areas is based on what happened in the 2020 election. And um, you have a lot of people that say there's no fraud, nothing was weird going on. You have some say that there's massive fraud and that this election was stolen. Can you give us some insight into what like, a logical explanation is to what happened in this in this election? And I know you actually ran for Senate in Massachusetts and had an interesting experience with that. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, James, that's a very interesting question. So, you know, um, one of the things that we are doing as you know, building this movement for truth, freedom and health that everyone should be aware of is that the core one of the core elements here is to educate people about something very, very profound, which is that those in power understand something called system science, okay? So the reason that um, history and what may seem to people, if you, if you look at a lot of people, they'll say, well, I'm just talking to uh, one of our truth, freedom, health warrior scholars out in Oregon. He goes, you know, I meet people and they don't, they say, you know what, you can't do anything, right? The mm -hmm. people are so powerful. I'm just going to do my little garden and run my business, right? I don't care about what goes on. And other people say, well, you got to choose a lesser of two evils. So what's happened is that those in power uh, or third is the world is what you just said. So divided, right? How do we bring stuff together? A sense of desperation. And what you really realize is that those in power, this is these possibilities that they've created are these very uh, uh, low standard of possibilities that they've created is by design. And those in power have very, very smart people, not the ones that you see on TV, be it Bernie or Trump or, you know, Obama or Mitch McConnell running the operations. These, there's a, uh, and I'm not even talking about some deep state. I'm just talking about they have aligned themselves with people who understand the science of systems. So in the 1930s uh, and 40s, um, people started asking, scientists started asking some fundamental questions. How do you build machines 
uh, that can emulate humans. It was the beginning of what was called robotics or cybernetics. And that, uh, those kinds of questions developed the modern science of systems theory or system science. And people learned how that there is a physics to whether how your body runs as a system or how the universe runs as a system or a computer runs as a system or a simple thermostat or a windshield wiper. All of these systems or large scale political systems or economic system, there is a fundamental science. And that science was called system science. And there's probably around 10,000 people in the world who really understand this, James and Mike. And those who understand it go to institutions like MIT, like Kennedy School of Government, uh, like Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, um, you know, the NSA, CIA, right? I mean, and, and those, uh, that science informs those people of how to, A, understand the direction of people, movement of people, how to sense and gather data on how people may be changing, right? And how to manipulate people. No different than how you would do the same thing to maintain homeostasis in your body or maintain a thermostat. It is called the science of systems. And the science of systems is like a nuclear weapon. And if we wanna change the world and we, are, we do not understand this science, it's like people having bows and arrows fighting against someone who's got you know, uh, serious hardware and weapons and guns. You're never gonna win. Right. So, that's why, you know, my journey over the last, you know, I'm 57, since I came to the United States as a kid when I was seven, was always motivated to understand political systems, having grown up in a caste system in India, and also wanting to understand medical systems, because my grandmother was this very interesting healer, and I saw her empirically heal people. So my journey, you know, I was very fortunate to go to places like MIT to, to invent the first email system, and to get a job when I was 14 years old doing science, and mathematics and engineering, um, but America afforded me all that. But through, through that journey, I never forgot where I came from. And that journey really led me to this point here where I've essentially unraveled and understood the science of systems, but more importantly, I've created a way that I can teach this to every, everyone on the planet. Because in the modern world, we live in a world of systems, very complex systems. Mm -hmm. And if people don't understand the physics of how these systems run, they're one day gonna vote for Obama, thinking he's gonna be their savior. Another day, Bernie, and another day, Trump, and then say, okay, maybe now it's Ron DeSantis, right? And maybe it's this guy, that guy. And the elites, those in power, understand systems. And one of the systems principles, James and Mike, is a principle of what's called self-organizing systems. What is a self-organizing system? It's one of the fundamental principles how the universe operates, which means, the reality is the real things do not occur in the center, okay? Nature, there is really no center. Things occur at the edges. Meaning that if you look at a cell, it's at the cell membrane where the interesting stuff takes place. The nucleus, what we thought for 40 years was the center, the DNA is actually just storage, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, no different than physics is realizing that it's at the edges of the universe where interesting thing takes place. Um, you know, we thought that the earth was the center of the universe once, and we figured out that the sun was, and we figured out the entire solar system spins around the Milky Way, and it, it goes on and on and on. So this concept of decentralization is where the truth is, which means bottoms up movements. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened is that the elites have, particularly in the United States, the elites, the global elites for that matter, 
have done a amazing job over the last, you know, since starting the 1950s to wipe out, to completely obliterate the history of the American working class fighting for its rights. I'll repeat that again. Mm -hmm. The global elites have wiped out the history of the fact that the American working people have been the tip of the spear of a global movement for freedom. And, and why do I say this? So one of the things, you know, when you took the course, we talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, if we unwind history and you go back to the, the 1800s, when the Industrial Revolution was taking place, all over the world, people are saying, well, what was going to occur, right? Karl Marx writes a communist manifesto observing what took place in the Paris Commune and what was going on in the Industrial Era. He made some interesting observations. He got some of the stuff wrong projecting into the future. Mm -hmm. Adam Smith, before that, was looking at you know, what it means, labor and capital. But in the United States, the American working class, particularly women, led the American working class movement starting the mid to late 1800s. It was squalor to work in an American factory in the 1800s, right? The working people were treated like garbage. Um, and by the mid to late 1800s, the working class movements in America were leading the global working class movements. And the elites in this country thought that there was gonna be a revolution again, a great upheaval, they called it. People should just Google it. And again, I never learned about an uh, AP history class. Most political science majors maybe learn mm -hmm. about it, how to learn how to teach others not to ever discuss it. But the reality was that the great upheaval resulted in, for example, the you, you're in Michigan, right? In, yeah. um, in uh, Haymar, in, you know, you're in, in your next state over there in Illinois, in Chicago, in the Haymarket, Haymarket, Chicago, that's where the fight for the eight-hour workday took place. Four American workers were hanged, you know, for that in, in one of the great travesties of justice. And, it, and that was in 1886, around May 3rd. And in commemoration of those American workers and the movement, workers all over the world said May Day, May 1, was going to be International Workers' Day. All right. That's okay. the truth of it. Now, most Americans don't even know that they think it's running around a Maypole or something. Um, right. Eisenhower changed it to Loyalty Day. Reagan changed it to Law Day. So there was an effort by the elites in the United States to deny the fact that the American working people knew how to protest, knew how to rise up bottoms up, um, and they needed to obliterate that. Why? Well, because the American working class is the only working class on the planet that has the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. Yep, absolutely. And the Indian working class, you know, they're still a British Commonwealth. The British, you know, as a stupid idiot, Harry, who came to the United <laughs> States, said the Ameri uh, the First Amendment is bonkers. That's what he said. Yep, he did. So, so that's what he said. The British mm -hmm. elites do not believe in the First Amendment. They think it's only preserved for kings. And still to this day, all the Commonwealth countries like India and Australia and other Commonwealth countries deny it, right? So if you look at the American working class in this perspective, no other working class can send fear into the heart of the elites. The Indian working class, a lot of people, but they don't have the First Amendment or the Second Amendment. The Chinese yep. working class has essentially been made slaves. Uh, yep. um, and the, the Australian working class and European, I mean, they're just basically completely disarmed. So in this contest, the American working class is the, was the tip of the spear of those movements. 
And when you go look at the early 1900s, again, all of this has been wiped out of American history. The early 1900s were when those working class movements peaked. And in the time of the Great Depression and the elites thought they were gonna lose it all. They literally thought they were done. And that's why Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was a racist and a classist and a complete elitist, you know, not, not a nice person. Uh, he, he's been made out to be a hero, but he was forced by those workers' movements of the American working class men and women to give certain concessions, the eight hour workday, right? Build roads, build bridges, mm -hmm. give us nutrition. Infrastructure. Yeah, infrastructure. Put in uh, water systems, give vitamin A, stop child labor. None of those things just happened because a Republican or Democrat, those were hard fought gains of people on the streets fighting people's names we don't even know. Bottoms up, men and women, the American working class. And so that movement is what really brought all the prosperity during 1940 to 1980 in the United States. If you look at the growth of the American pie, it was all of those fights and those struggles of those people's names we don't even know, true patriots, the American working class, that because of the infrastructure the elites were forced to build, that's when we had the growth. So by way of example, 18 years before the measles vaccine even came out, 98 to 99% of measles was wiped out by that infrastructure, clean water, clean hygiene, all those things. So the plumber and the sanitation worker, as, as I've repeatedly said, did more for public health than did, um, you know, than did the pharmacist or the medical doctor, right? That came much later, right? So we need to understand that public health really came from infrastructure. And, and because of that explosive infrastructure that America put in and invested in, which they didn't do on their own, right? The elites, they were forced to do it. Between 1940 and 1978, the American pie grew. Whether you made $5,000 a year or whether you made $5 million a year, everyone's incomes grew. It was all, you know, the, the tide lifted everyone up. All right. Now, the Republicans and Democrats, the elites, did not like this because they were like, they had to bend over to the will of the people. And, you know, people in power don't like to do that because they think they're better than you and I. So what did they resort? So starting in the 1950s, the quote unquote right wing Republican elite, they chopped off the legs of the American workers by branding anyone who said working people unite as communists, right? They, they did the big red scare. That's why they really did it because they were so pissed off at what these women and men did in the 1900s and 1900s, they scared the hell out of them. They said, we can never have these peasants ever organize against us. So they branded all those people communists. They scared the hell out of them. Obviously every American worker listens to someone in Russia, right? Like they don't right. have a brain of their own, right? So they branded that. So that made, that sent a lot of fear. That enabled the left wing and people that really need to listen to this carefully. This was what happened. The left wing therefore created top-down unions. Right. So before it was bottoms up, very vibrant. I mean, between 1940 to 1978, you nearly had 100 to 200 million workers who struck. Think about that. Mm -hmm. That means there was a vibrancy in the American workers to fight for their rights. 
And but by 1970, the unions, top-down control by mob bosses and quote unquote the left Democrats, you know, supported by the right, the Republicans, the unions were basically nonsense. The unions basically signed agreements with corporations saying we won't strike. Okay, we won't do work stoppages. They basically defanged the American working class. And so between 1980 to today, maybe 2 million workers have ever even participated in strikes. One tenth. And what happened between 1970 to 2020? The American pie split into two. And the RAND report that just came out last year shows this. It shows a definitive, beautiful work done by two very good scientists, economists. They show now that we have two American pies. The big American pie for the 5%, where Jeff Bezos can his wealth in the, in the last year of Trump went from 100 billion in wealth. Literally in one, nine months, Jeff Bezos' wealth increased from 100 billion to 210 billion. Amazon went from a, uh, you know, a, a $900 billion company to a $1.8 trillion company while wow. American small businesses were shut down, mm -hmm. right? While restaurants were closed, why the elites, Thank Trump did this. He, he wasn't better than Obama. Obama printed $4.2 trillion. Trump printed $6.2 trillion. Why? Because for the last 50 years, the elites have been running a bogus shell game. And that shell game has been particularly heightened with Obama in 2008 and after Trump. They've been keeping interest rates artificially low so they could get low interest loans to fund their bogus businesses. While hardworking Americans, you know, when you know, they actually needed to grow their businesses. And as interest rates were going to rise, they had to keep them suffocated, which means they needed a great reset, okay, to stop the demand for capital. We'll get more into it. But the bottom mm -hmm. line is, if you follow the money, starting in 1970, the left and the right, Republicans and Democrats, worked together to suppress the bottoms-up movement of the American working people. So that resulted in two American pies. So you have 95% of American working people today's their wages have gone down by 60 or 70 percent so if you're making fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollars you should actually be making 120k that seventy thousand dollars differential was given to the elites there was socialism the same republicans who say oh i'm against marxism socialism they're the ones who benefited from that the right and the elite on the left there's no left or right they're both one they just have two faces as needed to perpetuate this wwe wrestling you know Trumpo versus Demento, you know, Biden, right? That's what well, you can and you can't conquer you can't conquer people's will and their patriotism and all of those things that we talk about in their liberties with 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 united citizens, right? Especially here in the United States, right? You have to have them divided. Yeah, you you have to perpetuate. So the two weapons that the elites have used is this division into a bogus left and right mm -hmm. and racism. And the elites are very, very clever. We can talk about this. The Democrats act as though they are the stalwarts of black people and minorities. Mm -hmm. So they speak the race game. There is a real racism, okay? And the, the, the real racism is perpetuated by the elites of both parties. So the left says, oh yeah, we're for black people, people like Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, da da da, right? But they don't give a damn about black people because they never built infrastructure in the inner cities. Even the civil rights movement was heisted by Robert Kennedy Sr. And frankly, Martin Luther King, when you really look at it, they never promoted people like Malcolm X or a lot of leaders who wanted infrastructure. They pushed Martin Luther King to quell down the real issues. 
So what we, and, that, and then the, what the right did, the elites on the right, they deny racism exists. And that essentially throws more fuel on black people saying, what are you saying? And therefore the white working class runs over to the Republican side because they feel they're being attacked and they're being branded as white supremacists. But the reality is both wings of the establishment perpetuate racism. They're the ones who perpetuate, one denies it, the other falsely says that they're the stalwarts of it. And the real solution to racism is infrastructure in the inner cities. And none of that was ever put in. What we did was with civil rights, the civil rights movement was essentially hijacked. And what we have with civil rights is what they did was saying, okay, well, don't use the N word, don't use these words, political correctness, and let's do affirmative action, which pitted poor blacks against poor whites. But we don't have infrastructure in inner cities. If you look at in Boston alone, where the so-called liberal Kennedys have ruled for how many years, the average net worth of a black person right in Boston is $8, $8. It's $8? Yes, it's $8. You can Google it right now, type in, $8 in net worth is by the Federal Reserve Bank in Boston. And that of, you know, people like John Kerry, Mm -hmm. who live around Lewisburg Square in Boston is $257,000. So, and this is supposed to be Massachusetts, the center of the liberal people who so care about minorities, right? right? It's all bullshit. These people are the ones who have thrived on segregation. And then they point to, quote unquote, rednecks and say they're the racists or the American white working classes. The real racists are the liberal elites and the elites in the, in the GOP, both of them. They're playing Pepsi and Coke. They get, one group gets a white working class, you know, all pissed off, like, oh, they're calling me racist, right? And by denying racism exists, look, I live in a, I just moved, you know, when I, in 2002, I moved into a pretty much an all white liberal neighborhood in Boston, okay, in Belmont. Well, after I moved here, one night I got a knock on the door and the cops didn't believe I lived here. They wanted me to show my ID. I said, this is not South Africa. They burst into my house. So there is racism. Yeah. So the the way we build bridges, the white working class needs to reach out to its black brother and say, yeah, there is racism. And you know what? We as working people are going to solve it. And the real people who perpetuate racism are these elites. Elizabeth Warren is a racist. Okay. She's the one who used race to get a job at Harvard. That's racism. Okay. But the Republican elite also perpetuate racism. They act as though they're against, you know, cancel culture and all this. In Massachusetts, it was the Massachusetts GOP who did not want a son of working class people, me, to win the Republican primary. They're the ones who colluded to keep me off the debate stage. I mean, you would think if they were true Republicans in the, in the, in the, in the spirit of Lincoln, mm-hmm. they would have embraced me. Guy, this guy came from nothing. He represents the true spirit of, you know, coming from bottoms up. Well, and, and, and your opponent didn't have your ground game. He didn't have the sounds like from the sounds of yeah, it. Nothing. He was a great, he was a pasty face, white elite lawyer from Greenwich. No, seriously. Yeah. And this guy, I went in all white working class towns in Franklin because everyone black and white loved our campaign, truth, freedom and health. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Franklin County, the results come out, they couldn't rip that away from me pretty much an all white working class county where's hand counted paper ballots. I win by 10 points. And this guy who no one even knew, no lawn signs, no bumper stickers, no one knew, uh, appointed, chosen by the Massachusetts GOP. He wins in, in an all black county, an all, 
all Hispanic right. county, 60, 40, 60, 40. Why? This guy's a man for all seasons. I've never, you know, what was his marketing? You know, he should be teaching at Harvard Business School, his marketing techniques. So the reality is the elites of the Democrats and the GOP use race. Take election integrity. For 30 years, the Democrats have been supposedly fighting election integrity and voter suppression. Well, now the left or the right talks about mail-in ballots. You see, and Trump raised $300 million, quote unquote, fighting for election fraud. Where did that $300 million go? All of his lawsuits were garbage. You read them, they were really poorly written. I mean, why is it my lawsuits are still in court, both of them? Right. And the reality is Trump didn't want to win. He used it to make money. And we, as former Trumpers, which is what I am, I gave him money. I campaigned for him. I busted my butt for him, like a lot of our friends. Yep. So the real crime scene when it comes to election integrity, there is a real issue. And that is the fact that both Republicans and Democrats, both parties have been certifying voting machines with a capability where you can multiply votes by a fraction. It's called a weighted race feature. Everyone can type in on Google weighted race feature, Debold 2002, and you will find the manual of the Debold voting machines as early as 2002. On page two, chapter two, page 126, is a paragraph called the weighted race feature, which, which says if you get 2,000 votes, um, James and Mike got 2,000 votes, they can multiply Mike's votes by 0.5, he becomes 1,000 votes, and yours by three, you get 6,000 votes. It's a feature. That feature was created on these voting machines for housing associations when they took votes. Let's say you own 2,000 square feet, Mike owned 1,000 square feet, and I own. 500 square feet. And we were voting on whether we should put a new boiler, right, in the basement of the condo unit. Well, you would typically pay a little more based on square footage. So you got two votes. Mike would get one vote and I would get 0.5 votes. You say? Yeah. But that feature should not be in federal election systems. So the left and the right, Republican, Democrat, are all scumbags in this. So if you look at, if you look at Michigan, for example, right, the Michigan legislature, Republicans, right? Yep. They don't care about whether Trump wins or Biden wins. They already control the legislature. They're quite happy and they don't want to rock the boat. So it's not like Republicans protect Republicans or Democrats protect Democrats. OK, so when you really unravel the politics, you'll find out that the Republicans and Democrats will take a state. OK, you get to have the senators and the governor and the um, you know, you get to work at the federal level. We get to run the state because remember, if you control the legislature, you control a flow of multi billions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. You got all your friends working for you. That's what the American people need to understand. This is not about helping the American people. They're running an industry where they get into power, they get graft, they get money, they get all sorts of ways that they make money on the back end. So think about coming back to infrastructure. When you think about infrastructure in the United States, this is what's fascinating. In China and in Singapore, from the time they say, okay, we've allocated $10 billion to build that bridge, okay? Within two years, they start that project, permits and everything get done, right? So you could say, okay, China and Singapore are authoritarian countries. Well, the same also occurs in, in Canada and in Germany. It takes two years. You know how long it takes in the United States from the time even after they say, okay, $100 billion is allocated to fix the water systems in Michigan, in Flint, Michigan, let's say. Guess mm -hmm. how much time it takes to actually start that project? How much time? 
Take a guess. Three years, four years, five Ten years. years. 10 years. There's a very good analysis done by Philip K. Howard. In the United States, it takes 10 years. You know why it takes 10 years? Because you got to pay off all these people, all these regulations between two states and three states and city and council, and everyone's need wants to be paid off. It's total corruption. So where has that brought the United States to a D minus in infrastructure globally? By the American Society of Civil Engineers. And remember, going back to the 1800s and 1900s, it is infrastructure that created public health, not wearing these masks and the jabinations and all that, right? Getting a jab. This is all bullshit. When you're well, and rapid. we're seeing the and we're seeing the infrastructure right now dilapidating in the United States once again. Yeah, the infrastructure, like in Massachusetts, where MIT is the number one engineering school in civil engineering, is an F minus minus. Oh Everyone should just look. American Society of Civil Engineers is not a small. I mean, it is the American Society of Civil Engineers. So that under infrastructure, you're looking at bridges. You're looking at now even electronic digital infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You're looking at roads. When all of these break down and all the environmentalists should also, you know, when a bridge doesn't get fixed on time, all that stuff seeps into the groundwater, right? When the piping systems don't get fixed, it is infrastructure that truly made this country great starting in the 1900s, 1940s. Right. Well, all of that stuff is breaking down. And so instead of focused on that, which would, is actually the, uh, the real solution for public health, right? They have us over here distracted. Oh, you got to get a jab and you got to wear this diaper on your face. And then you're going to be getting public health. Well, okay, fine. Let's even give to those people who want to wear the diaper and feel the jab is necessary for them. Great. The discussion now is, okay, so that means you care about public health. Well, if you right. truly care about public health, you have to understand that this generation of the, our generation right now, the generation that was born in this current generation, is expected to live less than the previous generation. So lifespans are going down. 30 to 35% of young kids are obese, all right? And you go down the list, three out of five chance if you go into a hospital, you're gonna probably get some other infection coming out. And 1.6 million Americans get hospitalized every year for adverse reaction to some pharmaceutical drug. So when you, I mean, I can keep going on. When you look at the actual issue of public health, the poor infrastructure, the layers of corruption, like the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, all this stuff, we don't have superior infrastructure anymore. We've weakened our infrastructure at every level. And it is infrastructure that creates jobs. One dollar in infrastructure has a six dollar return, six X return. One dollar that you give free money away, like Andrew Yang and Bernie mm -hmm. and all these guys, subsidies and it, you actually, your return is you lose 60 cents. Okay. Well, it doesn't incentivize people to go to work and it, it creates a stall in production, right? And is that what's, is that what the correlation is? Well, 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 the reality of what's happened from, from an economic analysis is that the elites have been running a bogus economy. A real economy has real free market competition, right? Mm -hmm. You engender real innovation. What they have created is an insider game. You, uh, Jared Kushner gets to go to Harvard. He was not a good student. His father gave $2.5 million. Why is Ivanka Trump in the White House? What qualifications does she have? Why is Hunter Biden not in jail? 
Why is Chelsea Clinton has a job? She got a professorship at Columbia. So this is royalty. So this is not the America that my parents and I came to India for, I mean, I, or your parents, your par grandparents yeah. yep. who got on ships. The, what we've created is a caste system in this country where people who are frankly not that intelligent and don't work that hard because they hit the birth lottery, get into positions of power. And that's what's really happened in the United States. And we can't deny that. And the result of that is the big corporations, the businesses that these elites run aren't even run on real fundamentals, Mike and James. They're not really run on real business. So what they've done is in order to keep their businesses going, they issue corporate bonds, okay? Mm -hmm. They need to get low interest loans. Think about real estate development. What is real estate development? It has nothing to do with being creative. It has to do with, can you get low interest loans? That's exactly right. And take Jared Kushner. How does a guy, a young guy, 20 years old, start buying up property in Somerville here in Massachusetts? Well, his father gave him a ton of money. And then he builds one home and you get low interest. So real estate developers need low interest loans. Many of these corporations who don't really have a real sound balance sheet need low interest loans. That's why when Obama came in, the banks failed. Well, Obama didn't let him fail, even though he acted like he was some radical and you know revolutionary. He, in the White House night, that meeting that they all met, saved all the big banks. And what, how did they do? They printed, it was called quantitative easing. Mm -hmm. It's a simple word for we're just gonna make money appear out of nowhere. $4.2 trillion, $4 trillion. But ever since that happened, it's called modern monetary theory, MMT. No one even knows how it works. All right. So MMT says you just put money in it and something will magically occur as long as we can keep inflation low. So what they, what the elites have been doing is they've been propping up the stock market, propping up their companies. I mean, what is Twitter? Twitter, or if you really think Facebook, they don't really make anything, right? No, there's no real value, but they Twitter has one billion dollars in revenue. It gets a 48 X multiple. They're worth 48 billion. The New York Times, which is actually as maybe writers forget whether we like them or not. They do two billion in revenue. They only get a six billion valuation. So Silicon Valley creates artificial concepts of valuation. Oh, they're a platform company. They get a 40 X multiple. They're a publisher. They get a three X multiple. You see, they just make crap up. Mm -hmm. So the entire elites run on this fictitious economy. Meanwhile, you or I, you know, I started a business. I have employees. I got to pay them. I got to meet payroll, right? I can't be like Jared Kushner having my father-in-law there. Then when I get out of office, I can go to Israel and get a hundred million, five hundred million dollar loan. All right. So that's what the elites do. They don't have to run on the same playing field. They'll talk about you know, market economy and we're against Marxism and socialism, mm -hmm. but they have Marx, they practice Marxism, socialism for themselves. They don't practice real capitalism. So what we've done is that the reality is it's like a pot about to boil over. So when Trump got into office, Trump was very valuable for the elites. Why was he valuable? Well, they knew it was going to, you know, that this great reset needed to take place. What better than to have a white guy riling up all the American white working class and acting as though he was their champion, telling them, lock her up, lock her up. And right after he gets into office, he goes, ah, that was for the election, but now we move forward. You know, you saw the video I put out there, right? Mm -hmm. This is quite really, really effed up what he did. Okay. And none of, and then the Q movement, 
The Q movement was, hold on. He's a genius. He's going to do something. Okay, months. Hold on. Something's going to happen. Oh, yeah, he had to bring in Bolton and, and these complete numbskulls, warmongers, because he's planning a chess game. And that went on for four years. And after January 6th, oh, he's going to be back on January 20th, August. I got an email from the Q guys. Oh, my God, Shiva, Dr. Shiva, what's going on? Trump is planning on doing a whole tour with Bill O'Reilly in December. That means he's not going to be reinstated. I'm so it's like this was one big shit show kabuki theater that was done. So the reset could take place. And the American white American working class, they needed Trump for that. A lot of them voted for, by the way, Obama. And then they moved to Trump. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't rise up and fight. Right. Because if Hillary was in power, many of these people wouldn't have let their restaurants get shut down. Wait a minute. What what would Trump in power kept people thinking something's around the corner? So, you know, waiting for Godot. Right. It kept going on and on and on all the way to the day of January 6th. He said, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. Right. He didn't right. walk. With them. He didn't walk. Yeah. So this is so this is why. The elites are very clever because they know the science of systems. They know you have, that if you create a dialectic, the WWF, you know, that's what it was called when I was growing up. You know, you had mad dog, someone fighting against someone else, and they yeah. both were making money. And they, sometimes they'd actually hit the guy in the nose. So it looked a little bloody, it looked a little real, right? A little bit of sure. reality, but overall, they're on the same team. And that's why the elites need this fake left-right illusion. This is why they need the Republican Democrat narrative. And if you really look at it, the eagle has sh shoulder, two shoulders and two wings. The two shoulders are the obvious establishment of the left and the right. You know, the Bidens and the Clintons and the Obamas on the obvious establishment, the Bushes, the McCains and the McConnells, right? On the right. Mm -hmm. But the way they keep this game going is they need the wings, the left wing and the right wing to flap and yak once in a while for Bernie Sanders. They need the Bernie Sanders and the AOCs. They're the not so obvious establishment to, you know, yak at the Bidens once in a while and say, oh, he's not left enough. Or they need the Trump to, you know, whack uh, McConnell once in a while. But if you look at all those emails you get from Trump, right? Mm -hmm. And the RNC and the Trump campaign have an agreement, okay? All those 300 million that was raised. So we need to follow the money. These people think that the American working people are stupid and that they will just use them. And you're looking at someone who came from nothing. I know the value of this country. Freedom, the First Amendment, no other country has this. The Second Amendment, right. no other country has this. And the millennials in this country have forgotten the importance of that word, of both of those two amendments, because it is what was a foundation of building the working class movement. It is why the economy prospered. So between 1940 again to 19780, there were a vibrant working class movement in this country. People struck, you know, they were, uh, they participated, right? But after 1970, all the way down to today, there is no working class movement. And that's the way the elites wanted it. So for the last four years, we all waited. Oh, Trump's gonna do something. Trump's gonna do something. He did nothing. He did, Frank, frankly, he did something. He executed Operation Warp Speed, right? Right. That's what he did. And why did he do that? Because the pharmaceutical companies in the world are going down the tubes. Pharmaceutical drugs 
And I, you know, I, I went to school for this, right? I went to school to study biological engineering. Pharmaceutical companies over the last 20 years are going out of business. What is a pharmaceutical drug? It is a compound in nature that does not exist. It's synthesized in a lab. So the pharmaceutical companies have all these synthetic compounds that they've been testing in a test tube and they, then they kill animals and then they have to go through clinical trials. It takes 13 years to get one of those synthetic compounds to prove it cures a disease. And most of the time, the stuff that comes out has side effects and people can sue pharmaceutical companies. Well, that business has been failing. By way of example, Pfizer, which made $65 billion in 2012, $65 billion. Now you would think if they're doing so great, their revenue should go up. Right. Well, in 2020, they only made $40 billion. They've lost $25 billion in revenue. That's a That's huge a discrepancy. Massive, massive loss. So pharmaceutical companies are in a dire situation. Their only future is the jab, okay? Because the jab market, thank you to, you know, John Kennedy created the National Jabination Act of 1962, right? And after people were getting injured, his brother, Ted Kennedy, instead of getting rid of that, saved these uh, manufacturers and they created the National Vaccine they call it the Jabine, the Jabine injury program, right? Yep. So you can't sue them. So indemnity. And then is their other nephew runs around, you know, Kennedy acting as though he's fighting for medical freedom when he says he jabbed all of his kids. So you, he's the not so obvious establishment. So what we have today is that industry, the jab industry is a wonderful industry for big pharma. It's their savior. You can't sue them. And it's growing at 17% per year. In the pharmaceutical industry, synthetic drugs, they, they used to put $1 in. 10 years ago, they used to get 10 cents return in, from R&D. Today, they put $1 in, they only get 1.8 cents return. So that industry is tanking. This is why they are so desperate. So this year, Pfizer alone in one year is gonna make $26 billion. One year, wow. what they lost in all 10 years. This is why Israel, uh, Pfizer struck a deal with Israel to make them their poster child. Why we need to get up to 70% jab rate, you see? Because even if they get 30% of the world population is you know, jabbed, that will result in 2 billion people. $20 is their manufacturing price, that's 40 billion, okay? They need to make 40 to 50 billion in 2021 to save their industry, which is tanking going up. So we gotta follow the money. And that's why it's extremely important that we start educating people on a systems approach to looking at the world. If we don't take the systems approach, people are going to be this left wing, right wing. They're going to think Ron DeSantis, mark my words, he's going to be their next savior. And then the Democrats and their farm team probably have people like Tulsi Gabbard, right? She'll talk a good game as though I'm a veteran and I'm against, you know, the military. But, you know, she was at the Council of Foreign Relations. She bet she wasn't an independent, she gave all of her, she blessed Joe Biden. So we have to move beyond left and right. And, well, if, I, and if you look at it historically, mm -hmm. the reason they keep the left, right, the black, white narrative going is they do not want us to wake up, forget these elections and in our local communities, learn our chops of how to articulate this. And that's why I keep emphasizing we need truth, freedom, and health warriors and scholars. So we got to understand the science, the science right. of systems. Then people have to understand the interconnection between why you need to fight for freedom, because without freedom, 
you can't practice science. And without science, you can't figure out what's right for your body or your infrastructure. Without health, you don't have the strength to fight for truth or freedom. Second thing is we need to build a bottoms up movement. We gotta just let go of all of this stuff about left or right, because that's what they want. They want us fighting each other. They don't want working people uniting along the right. real issues, looking at a real problem and figure out what the real solution is. So if you look at election integrity, it is the issue with the voting machines. Yep. Trump well, didn't want to touch that. You know, right. and when we look at medical freedom, the real issue is we need the right medicine for the right person at the right time. It's not about pro or anti-vax. That's a distraction, frankly. The real issue is do we care about public health? Do we care about right. precision medicine? What's right for you may not be right for me, right? So telling everyone that they should all get the same jabs goes against this fundamental principle of medicine, which is the right medicine for the right person at the right time. Well, and, and it's very clear that, you know, if you have good investigative journalists, you can uncover corruption, you can get good information and truth out to people. With movements like you're creating, you can get good truth information to people. And you've written you've written about this unholy alliance between big tech and the federal government. What is this alliance for one? Yeah. And what is the goal of this alliance for two? Yeah. So I think it's a good transition. Um, maybe you can just share on your screen or, or I, let me share it over here. For yeah. Me. Yeah. So sure. Everyone knows, should know by now, let me, uh, if people go to winbackfreedom.com, mm -hmm. so everyone needs to understand that, there is a solution. So I, you know, as an engineer, as an inventor, I hate people whining, you know, and getting depressed. Like I see a lot of these people on the so-called right, so-called patriot movement talking about, oh, you know, this is going to happen and the magnet sticks over here and this happens and that happens and they're going to depopulate us. I mean, it's all like just this nihilistic existential stuff like, oh my God, the world, right? Where does that get you mentally? Nowhere. And there are people doing speaking tours on this, making money off of it. It's really sick. The real issue is what is the solution? And the solution is number one, there can be no movement. There will be no quote unquote revolution. There will be no change without people understanding the physics of change. You can't build a bridge if you don't know Newton's equations. You can't, you, you may get lucky one day, but it may fall down. You're not gonna build an airplane without understanding Bernoulli's principle, right? Until we understood those principles, we didn't know really how to get lift. But once we did, we knew how to do wing design, okay? So people tend to live in the darkness. Well, we can never build a light bulb. Well, we did figure it out, right? Once you understood certain metallurgy, right? And you did innovation. Mm -hmm. There is an innovation to building a movement, a political movement, but that requires an understanding of system science, engineering system science. And that knowledge didn't exist until about 90 years ago. Now, someone like me, who was on a parallel track to political understanding politics and understanding engineering systems theory, it's probably no reason that I'm the one who sort of discovered how you can marry the two and figured out how, because of my fact that I never forgot where I came from, I said, you know, I got to teach this back to my people, which are working people, mm -hmm. right? I could have easily stayed at MIT, you know, easily been an elite professor somewhere and sold out, but I didn't. So the curriculum that we put together, where people can go to truthfreedomhealth.com, it is, we've made it in such a way, and we've created our own infrastructure. You know, for years, I ran one of the largest data centers for email in the world. And in that infrastructure, which we've donated to the cause, we've created our own platform. So what is that platform? A, it's a platform of education. B, it's a platform of 
where you can connect with others, alumni. So you can talk with people as your political consciousness raises, you're gonna need like-minded people. So you can also continue to grow. So we've created our own version of Facebook and a forum, all underground. I don't care to give this to everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. And third, we started creating activism activities that people can do in their local communities. But it's really centered around education and system science, truth, freedom, and health. So if you think about that trident of truth, freedom, and health, the middle of that is freedom. So the lawsuit, which is what you're referring to, yep. is, you know, it, it's, it's quite in some ways, I don't think it's coincidental that I found myself, you know, I never wanted to run for electoral politics, mm -hmm. decided to run. And, you know, we found out that they, you know, cheated us on this election, which I never believed occurred in the United States. And as I put on my engineering hat, as a guy built email systems, as a guy who's got a bunch of degrees from MIT, I was horrified to find out that these voting machines, this is on September 1st is when they attempted to steal the election from us. They think they're successful, but, you know, we still haven't conceded. We have two lawsuits which have survived this missile. Mm -hmm. But on September 9th is when I discovered that all of these voting machines, you can multiply votes by a factor. The other thing I learned is according to federal law, for a federal election, all states are supposed to preserve the ballot images. So remember I told you I won in the hand-counted county in Franklin yep. County, but in every other county I lost and all those used voting machines. So I, so I went to the Secretary of State on September 9th and I said, you're supposed to, by law, preserve the ballot images. Because when you go to those voting machines, a paper ballot gets converted to a picture. It's called a ballot image. And the AI on those voting machines tabulates the, the ballot images, right? The ballot images de facto become the ballot, right? That's what they're used to count. And on September 24th, I received email. I had an email conversation on September 24th and 25th with the Secretary of State of Massachusetts, where in these four email interactions, the Secretary of State is telling me that they deleted the ballot images and they were fine in doing that because their state statute doesn't say they have to, which is violation of federal law for federal elections, you have to. So when I shared those four email interactions, James and Mike, mm -hmm. on my Twitter, where I've never been suspended, boom, I was thrown off. And as we unraveled this, as I took it into court by myself, no swamp lawyer here wanted to take it on because they're afraid of you know rubbing certain people the wrong way yep. what do we find we find out that in in a what was supposed to be a 45 minute testimony it ended up going for four and a half hours in those four and a half hours we find out unequivocally that the government all state governments have a partnership with twitter a trusted partnership with twitter they get a portal where they can report american citizens if they are tagged as influence operators, they call them IOs. So, and there's an entire infrastructure that our lawsuit uncovered. So on October 30th, we, in testimony, in sworn testimony, uh, the communications director of the Secretary of State admits they have this partnerships admitted. They contacted Twitter to throw me off. Why? Because I was exposing government malfeasance while I was a political US Senate candidate. Think about this. Yep. They're going to have a hard problem with qualified immunity on this, okay? Because protection of the, the political speech is a highest form of protection. Government officials 
cannot be screwing around with the federal election. Because during that time, I was a federal candidate. They silenced me because I was, it's called obstruction of justice. I was exposing the fact that the state election director and the secretary of state were violating federal law. That's what I was sharing was in the interest of the public. It would have been one thing as a judge to ask them, well, if you disagreed with them, why didn't you simply go on Twitter and argue it out with it? But that's not what you did. You contacted a private actor in two ways. You went, went through your special portal that Twitter gave you, and you contacted the National Association of State Election Directors, NASED, which is a force of 50 state actors. And you also had them kick off Dr. Ayodhuri. That's what the, so the judge was quite flabbergasted. He, first of all, gave us a hearing, which is a big victory. Second, he gave me all the terms of the preliminary injunction where he told the Secretary of State to stop contacting Twitter, stopped contacting NASED, and told them, if you have a problem, go online. Well, so I was put back on Twitter on November 4th, but it was too late. James, my right, election, too I late. lost four weeks of my election. Um, and then when I started tweeting away on February 1st, when it was the first time I again shared those four screenshots, I was bang, thrown off Twitter in 17 minutes. Twitter then claimed, oh, we did some internal review. Bullshit. You didn't three-day internal review. I exposed them in court that the general counsel, sorry, the deputy general counsel of Twitter mm -hmm. lied to the judge. So in the May 20th and 21st hearings, the judge basically told the, everyone listening, there was like 500 people on Zoom, he goes, this lawsuit more than likely will become a law school exam in every constitutional law class. Tucker Carlson didn't talk about this. No right-wing media talked about this. No left-wing media, because it wasn't about Democrat or Republican. My lawsuit, our yep. lawsuit, which is what it is now, shows that both Democrat and Republicans work together to silently silence speech using Twitter. They, they have, we found four playbooks, four documents that clearly show that they have a infrastructure, a way, it's a manual I discovered. And that manual says, this is how we're gonna associate keywords with this influence operator. This is how we're gonna assess their severity level, how dangerous they are to us. And then we're gonna continually monitor them with their high severity. That's why I got thrown off on September 24th. And they lied to the judge saying, oh yeah, we're going to um, not do, you know, we're gonna not contact Twitter. But they did, once they tagged me, I was tagged and bagged and blacklisted. It's like the no fly list. Right. So that's why in 17 minutes I was taken out on February 1st and deplatform. But our movement, the movement for truth, freedom, and health is the one that brought this out. And no mainstream media will cover this because our lawsuit will expose that Fox News is an agent of the government, that CNN is an agent of the government. All well, they're, all, they're all owned by the same three corporations. Yeah, in fact, the National Association of State Election Directors gets funded by the Rockefeller brothers and the Murdoch uh, children, okay? So people need to wake the F up. I don't want to hear anymore. You know, that's why our movement, we, we're not here to convince people. We want to find 50,000 truth, freedom, and health warrior scholars who are serious about building a movement. And let me just share with people here, you know, people go to, you know, if people go to, um, you know, truth, if they, people go to winbackfreedom.com, mm -hmm. um, you'll see an interesting graphic that I put up there. It has, you know, the David versus Goliath story. And the Goliath here is not Twitter. It is the elites who are using Twitter. You know, Twitter in this picture is on the foot, right? 
it is being used to, but all the, you know, the entire analysis occurs by the elites. And that's why, you know, the win back freedom movement is really the tip of the spear of the movement for truth, freedom and health with freedoms right pointed right in the center. So our goal is, first of all, I want everyone to go become truth, freedom and health warrior scholars. Okay. Go to truthfreedomhealth.com. You got to get educated or you will always continue to be enslaved. And the fortune that you have is you're looking at someone who spent a lot of his life putting together this curriculum to change the world so everyone can learn this physics. And anyone can learn it. You don't, whether you're a mom, you're a, a school teacher, mm-hmm. you don't have to go to MIT. But the second thing is everyone, if you can't participate that way, give $1, just $1 to win at winbackfreedom.com to support this lawsuit. Because after the May 20th and 21st, 20 hours of hearings, the judge also appointed me constitutional lawyers. Well, you got to pay them. They're going to have to do depositions. They're going to have to do discovery. I bought the lawsuit this far. Like I've essentially brought it to the five yard line. Okay. Right. To to go the red zone. From, yeah. To the, with 35 briefings all by myself to go from the 50 yard line to touchdown, we're going to need everyone's support. This is your lawsuit. So either go and become a truth, freedom and health warrior and, or go to winbackfreedom.com and give $1 because we need to be a movement. It's not about, you know, five people giving a million bucks. It's about 5 million people giving $1. It's a movement. Yep. And that goes back to the essence of what, what we want to do is we got to have working people united globally. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're in the United States, you can give 70 rupees if you're in India or hundred yen, $1. Right. Because what we discovered was that this government infrastructure where they have a special VVIP access to all the major companies, including Twitter, was first deployed in London by the parliamentary security forces. Then it was done in India, another Commonwealth country. Then it was done in Taiwan, then in Australia, then brought here. So everyone listening to this podcast, our lawsuit in Massachusetts, by the way, which is the center of the suppression of freedom, the first book burnings took place in Massachusetts, okay? It was not until 1984 that a book called Strange Fruit was still banned. You couldn't even sell it. Massachusetts is not, yeah, the revolution occurred here, but the blue bloods who lost the revolution here never went back to England. They hated giving us peasants the First Amendment. So this lawsuit is the tip of the spear. It is the inflection point in American history. So everyone needs to get behind this. You, you really have no choice unless you just want to be a slave. But we have to recognize that as the site says, we have to win back freedom. It's not about fighting for freedom. We have to win it back because we've lost it. So it's unfortunate, but that's where we're at. So we have to be quite um, observant about this and recognize that we need to win back freedom. You uh, you mentioned there were some copycat lawsuits. Are those just efforts to muddy the waters and discredit your lawsuit? What's the well, what's funny is, what's funny is Tucker Carlson had this guy, and it's all about Democrats versus Republicans. What it is, Mike, it's it's to muddy the waters because oh, Democrats do this to Republicans. No, yep. freaking red-blooded Americans, Democrats and Republicans are doing it to everyone. So it's to dilute what we have on the table here, and they're making money off of it again. It's like, you know, it's like, that's what these guys do. You know, in Massachusetts, I ran as a Republican. It was a Republican party who colludes with the Democrat. Look at what's going on in Michigan right now. They're denying any election fraud. It's all done by the Michigan Republicans. 
You say sucker Carlson. That's what he is. Yeah. He's a sucker because he's an entertainer. He puts on these faces. I hate the guy. You know, he was supposed to put me on about a couple of years ago. Then he listened to a hit job story because, and then Tucker talked about that same set of incidents to him. You know, in my own home, remember I told you these two cops came in. Right. Burst into my house. Didn't believe I lived here. And after my sister got on the phone, she said, no, he lives there. Then they told me we better not catch you on the street. Well, two years later, they used a domestic incident, which had nothing to do with me, to, to file false claims and a false arrest, which was outright dismissed. And so the Republican GOP will bring that up. And Tucker should have put me on where to explain that. And he didn't because he didn't want to embarrass himself. But then two weeks later, he talked about how he was held up in a similar way with a false um, claim. Tucker Carlson is a complete asshole. Okay. He takes advantage of the white working class. He just does enough for entertainment. He watch which way the wind blows. And this is why those people like me who gave money to Trump, voted for Trump, thinking he was anti-establishment. We people did the same with Obama or Bernie, right? Mm -hmm. The establishment creates these actors, okay? To keep us in this realm. So to answer your question, Mike, is anything that's real, like our legitimate, they'll create some other smoke screen, right? To basically distract and split it. Left, all oh, the left does this to the right. No, both parties have been screwing around with the voting machines. Both parties have been creating racism to split blacks and whites. Both parties have ensured that Twitter got, and Twitter and Facebook got Section 230 immunity. So in return, Twitter and the Facebook for the quid pro quo, quo was, we will give you access to Americans and we will help you silence them. You see what I'm saying? So in the middle of all these hearings that they had with Ted Cruz talking his bullshit, he did nothing, right? Twitter and all these companies got to keep Section 230 immunity. And in return, what the timeline shows is that the government uh, negotiated, hey, okay, we're going to give you Section 230 private companies. You let us spy on Americans through your infrastructure. That's what's taking place. So I don't want to hear anyone saying Trump is some great guy or Tucker Carlson or this Democrat Republican bullshit. It's all bullshit. They're splitting the working class up so they can continue to enslave people. That's what's actually going on. Because, and if you look at it, if you look at the actual unemployment rate in the United States, the actual unemployment rate, it's 25%. Because remember, if you don't look for a job anymore, the denominator vanishes, mm -hmm. okay? That's right. So these people, and we have to recognize that the 70 to 80% of hardworking Americans only have $400 in savings. That's incredible. People need to wake the hell up and look at the real issue. I don't want to hear about Trump. I don't want to hear, oh, oh Trump, I mean, Trump was in there. We, we, we delivered him 200,000, close to 150,000 signatures. We drove down, if you remember, we collected them. We told him about Fauci, he did nothing. And now he's talking about, oh yeah, Fauci, this, well, what did you do when you were in there? You kept the guy there. You brought in a bunch of scumbags. And then you told all the Trumpers, well, you know, I'm playing ninth dimensional chess. I'm a genius. Come on. Come on. The 
the victims here are the American working class. You put a black guy in, you use him, Obama, then you toss him out. And then he was a Manchurian. Yeah. I mean, the guy came out of nowhere, right? Yep. And then did. you bring Trump in, okay? He talks blah, 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 blow hard. But Trump was a pussy, I'm sorry, at the end of the day. You didn't fire people. Nope. You're fired, you're fired. Well, what happened to Fauci? Big guy, tough guy, what'd you do to Fauci? Nothing. Not a thing. Right. So that's a harsh reality. You're such a tough guy, what did you do to Fauci? But what you did was you supported Operation Warp Speed, which basically eliminated the need to do testing. Forget even the, the jab. Think about it was another industry. Think about, think about uh, you and all of us were in the railroad industry, okay? And railroad industry is going down the tubes and a new industry called airplanes is coming. And imagine the president, Trump said, you know what? You don't need to do testing on these new modes of transportation. You know, if you put out a railway locomotive, you got to go through 15 years of testing. But for an airplane, you can get it out in nine months. And if, if the wings fall off, if, the, if it crashes, you can't sue the airplane company. That's what we have. That's what Operation Warp Speed is. No testing. That's why... They don't know. So meanwhile, you have these foolish people running around talking depopulation. This is a distraction. The real issue here is follow the freaking money. The pharmaceutical company, Pfizer, which has been tanking, is overnight going to make $25 billion. And their CEO, who used Israel as their data stream to show how great it is, he got honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award by Netanyahu. Okay. These guys are one big little shit show and you and I ain't part of it. Right. Left and right, Republican and Democrat, Trump and Biden. Trump got $1 million for his inauguration from Pfizer. Biden got $1 million for his inauguration from Pfizer. My okay. Goodness. So this is using the American working class, taking advantage of them. It's sickening. Well, and if every if everybody knew about this the way that you're describing and the way that you understand it and and that we're talking about it, there uh, people would rise up and there would be a lot of anger and there well it, it there would should be. It, the other thing, James, would bring people together on That's the right. left, and right? Because people right. are really, at the end of the day, in the last fifty years, American working class, whether you're red or black or brown or blue, whatever you want to call it, your salaries. You should, if you're making 55,000, 50,000, you're making 120. You're, that's actual money. Your $70,000 was sent over to the other pie. It was siphoned off. $47 trillion was siphoned off over the last 50 years. And, and this was done by a think tank, the Rand Corporation, okay? Mm -hmm. Some black and white. We need to start focusing on uniting working people, not playing the stupid games. Not saying, oh, DeSantis is our next savior. I mean, DeSantis's bill is a garbage bill. Go read the bill. It's going to get thrown out in the courts. Right? Oh, $250,000. It still doesn't address the issue that the state of Florida has a backdoor to Twitter. Okay? So these guys watch which way the wind blows. It's like, you know, they got to appease the masses. So they'll say anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm against big pharma. That's what Trump said. He took 386000 and on his inauguration, he took in a million from Pfizer. So people have to go. And the interesting thing is more and more, it's the elites don't even bother hiding 
<laughs> what they do. It's like right out in the open. Right. Hidden in plain sight. It's in plain sight. It's in plain sight. This woman, Chelsea Clinton, I mean, I know what it used to take to get a professorship, right? You got to write papers. You got to prove it. She gets a professorship in public health at Columbia. Just like that. Just like that. And think about a, a, a kid who came from nothing, working hard. He goes to college, busts his ass, gets his yeah. PhD, and he has to do research. And then he, right? And, and uh, Chelsea Clinton is on the board of partners, which is a one that got the full contract for, you know, the testing. These people are one little caste system and my parents left India to get out of the caste system. Right. We live in the modern caste system. And that is why we have to recognize that the elites need to divide us into left and right, black and white. That is how they keep the attention off them. And if we keep doing this, we deserve to be enslaved. And the only way out of it is to get educated. And the son of, you know, low caste untouchables, working class, I was fortunate to learn all this stuff. Everyone should go to truthfreedomhealth.com. You can't say, well, I don't know what's going on. No, I put together the curriculum now, okay? Right, yep. Like it's, it's there, all there. to study, okay? Well, and it's all there and it's all there. I can tell everybody it's all there in a format that's really easy to understand and very, very cut and dry. And there's a lot of content and I've looked and, through a lot of the content and it's, it's really, really good stuff. And yeah, we've made, it's, it's, you're getting an MIT PhD education in systems theory in Poton so everyone can learn it. That's really the yeah. innovation here that you don't have to apply to MIT, hang out with a bunch of nerds and go through that for 30 years. Okay. You yeah. can, every Monday evening I teach it, but and frankly, I don't, at this point, given where I'm at on an emotional and personal level, I don't have time to even convince people anymore, James. We want to find those 50,000 people who get it because every year that goes by that we don't build this army of truth, freedom, and health warriors, we're going to head into the dark ages. And there was a very famous anthropologist, I think many years ago, he did an analysis of different centuries. I think he looked at like 15, 20 different centuries. And he said during the first 20 years of any century, which means like the year 2000 to mm -hmm. 2020, yep. right? In the first 20 years of any century, the direction of that century is determined whether it'll go into the golden age or whether it'll go into the dark ages. Mm -hmm. And right now we're headed into the dark ages. And we have to take away our rose colored glasses and look at things as they actually are. All the cute yep. people out there, get off your ass. Throw away your stupid rose-colored glasses. You all got fucked by Trump, okay? Excuse the language. That's what yep. happened, okay? Yep. You waited and waited and waited, and people took advantage of you. They took advantage of good people. It's like, you know, something's going to happen, right? You don't have to do anything. No, we have to do it. Everyone here should learn this science. Everyone should lo start learning how to articulate it. Yep. Reach out to your neighbors. Bridge the gap between left and right. It's the only way. Otherwise, we're just going to be slaves. We're already well, heading to slavery. Yeah. Well, Dr. Shiva, I, I know we're up against our time together. I think yep. we even went a little bit over, and I, I greatly appreciate spending time with you, learning more about your passion behind all this and the, and the root of it. And it's... um. 
Um, all I can say is that uh, some of this stuff is, I think, hard, probably hard for people to hear. And But it, again, to your point, it's not anybody's job to convince others what's going on. You really have to have a, a vested self-interest and self-preservation and the preservation of all the things that make this country great and this world great. And uh, I thank you for coming on. I really, we really appreciate it. And it's, it's great to get to know you. And yeah, I, I'm, we'd I'm, love I'm, to have I'm, you on again. Yeah, I think the most important thing to understand is we need to move beyond black and white, beyond left and right. Yep. Working people unite for truth, freedom, and health. And remember, when you really study the science of systems, it doesn't matter what opinion you have. Gravity exists independent of your opinion, okay? Um, so we need to understand the fundamental truths in the world. And the truth is, there is something called a not-so-obvious establishment. We do need to build a bottoms-up movement. And the movement for truth and the movement for freedom and the movement for health all need to come together. Those people are the 1A and 2A people. Those people are nerds and those people are yoga people, right? Right. We all have to come together because they're all interconnected. Without truth, I mean, without freedom, you can't get to truth. Without truth, you don't get to health. Without health, you don't have the strength to fight for either one. So anyway, thank you, guys. Yeah, Dr. Shiva, thank you again for spending time with us today. God bless you. God bless all of you listening out there today. And God bless America and stay well. Be well. Thank you.